Welcome back to Considerations from the Capitol, from the Deeper Dive podcast. My name is Bill Winnell. As always, joined by Father Larry Swink. Good morning, Father. Hey, good afternoon, Bill. Um, Today is the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time. And Father, reflect on today's gospel, excuse me, from St. Matthew. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood is not revealed these to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Father. All right, so we're going to spend a little more time today than usual because it's Sunday. And uh, I want to, this is a very Catholic gospel, and there's a lot of uh, ecclesiology, which is study of the church in here. And the first C is this critical question. And Jesus went to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they give all, a, a bunch of opinions, right? Some say John the Baptist, some say Jeremiah. And then he says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, reply, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But who do you say that I am? That's a deep question. We all have to answer that. We need to say, you are Lord, you're my God. If Jesus were to answer that question, you say, Jesus, you're my Savior, right? But let's look at it more from... Uh, you know, from this point of uh, what Jesus is doing to Peter, it shows that how truth will be known and it will come through a certain process. And it will come through Peter, not because he's great or the smartest or the holiest, he probably wasn't, but simply because he was chosen to be the head of the church. And there's a saying, without dogma, piety is empty. Uh, we need uh, a firm foundation. We need someone to speak up for the truth. We need someone to protect us from error because we're human and fallible. And so our, our Lord, uh, you know, says, look, uh, you, he says, the Holy Spirit has revealed this to you. And we're seeing in this gospel that uh, how uh, truth will, will happen. And the catechism teaches us that the college or body of bishops has no authority unless united with the Roman pots of Peter's successor. Okay, so what does this mean? Uh, When there are areas of dispute over doctrines or teachings, our Lord has promised us that when the Pope speaks officially in an issue of faith and morals, and there's lots of disputes among the the bishops, that the bishops have to be in union with the Pope, and then the truth will come out. And uh, a couple examples of this would be the Council of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15. We go in the Bible, we look at this, this particular gospel, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not a gospel, but this reading, I, I apologize, is we see that there's a dispute, and the dispute is over whether the Gentiles had to be circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses. And they're disputing. They're saying, you can't be saved unless you're circumcised. And there's this Paul and Barnabas, and they're just like throwing tomatoes at each other. I mean, it was it was probably, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but there was this big dispute. And it's interesting that as they're arguing, it says Peter got up and addressed them. And says this, he goes, brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you 
that the Gentiles might hear from the lips the message of the gospel and believe. And he basically told them in so many words, to make a long story short, they don't have to be circumcised. They just need to be baptized. And it says in verse 12, Acts 15, Acts 15, verse 12, the whole assembly became silent. Right. So we see sort of like the first ecumenical council where there is a dispute and Peter spoke just like he did in today's gospel. Another example, I think, would be, you know, during the confusion in the 1960s, right, that, you know, I'm sure many, most of you are too young to remember 1960s, probably weren't born. And if you were, you're, you're just, you know, remember that the 70s is the new 50s, right? But anyway, um, you know, the big dispute back in the 1960s was over the teaching on contraception, right? And once again, I mean, if you look back at, at church history and look at sort of what happened in that era, uh, Pope Paul VI uh, brought together a panel, right? And there was a lot of dispute over this, and many Catholic theologians and priests and lay people were like, you know, you should be able to use contraception in certain circumstances, right? And uh, all the other churches, which we'll talk about later, not really churches, uh, are allowed this. And so they brought this commission. They brought they basically the answer they brought from their uh, studies and this is like, well, yeah, we think in certain circumstances, um, you know, birth control should be permitted. Well, Pope Paul VI brought the, the, this uh, solution to prayer, and then he came out with Humana Vitae, which basically said, as always has been taught by Jesus Christ, is that there are no circumstances where, where birth control can be used, unless it's a medicinal thing. Uh, that's a side note, but, you know, for some kind of sickness, but, but it cannot be used as a form of birth control. You know, it's, it's wrong. Birth control, you know, the sexual act has to be between, it has to be open to fertility, it has to be bonding. You can't destroy this. And I quote him. He says, therefore, we base our words on the first principles of a human and Christian doctrine of marriage. When we are obliged once more to declare that the direct interruption of the generative process already begun and above all, all direct abortion, even for therapeutic reasons, are to be absolutely excluded as lawful means of, re of regulating the number of children. And he says, we base our words on the first principles of a human and Christian doctrine. Basically, the Pope says, I cannot change this even if I wanted to. Now, once again, Peter spoke. There was a dispute. A lot of people still don't listen to that teaching. That's on them, whether you like it or not, that the vicar of Christ spoke and said, no, this is wrong. So we, we just see this. It's like, now, here's a way of looking at it, um, and we'll get this later. When there is no pope, everyone is pope, right? And so there is this, the, the, our Lord gives us this hierarchy. All right, now, next point. The, the first chi is this critical question. The critical question is, am I God? Now, remember, just one last point. In the early church, what were the heresies about? It was about the nature of Christ. And once again, for the first 300 years or so, there were disputes over whether Jesus is true God and true man. If you, go, if you look at church history, it just went bizarre. You know, and once again, Peter speaks through the councils and says, no, Jesus is true God and true man. All right, that's just another point I want to make. Is it's interesting that this gospel is about who do people say that I am? And for the first 300 years, they got it wrong. <laughs> and but once again, Peter got it right in union with the good bishops. Okay. Um, now, uh, so the next point I want to make here is that there is that the church is established by Christ and built upon the apostles. Now, there's a very, um, all right, so I want you to picture for a moment, you're in Kaiseria Philippi. Now, the fact that this happened in Kaiseria Philippi, I've been there. It's a beautiful beach. And, but there's something really important about this area is there is a huge cliff near the water. 
And on top of the cliff to this day are ruins of a pagan temple that people used to worship a false god. Like there was human sacrifice made to this god, all kinds of things. And imagine Jesus is looking at this rock where there's a pagan temple. And in front of him are the disciples who are disputing all kinds of things. And there's Simon. And Jesus says to Simon, you are Peter, Kephas. You are the rock. And upon you, I will build my church. Now, it's not a coincidence that he changed his name to Petras, to rock, in front of Kaiser Philippi, where there's a rock with a pagan temple. He's saying, upon you. And the key words are what? I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, Jesus not he does not merely praise Simon for a moment of uh, charismatic insight. He goes further, declaring that he will build his very church upon Simon, whom he names Peter, Rock. Jesus not merely mean this as a personal gift of recognition that he will die with Peter and given him the. We'll get to the keys, but basically he says, "My church, not your church, my church." And we know in church history that you know Martin Luther kind of really messed things up in, in 1517 when he found in the Lutheran church. And that was a huge, that created this sort of, you know, rift between the true church and Christian communities. And from that time, we've had all kinds of new denominations come up. We had the Calvinists after them, the Methodists, the Anabaptists, the Anglicans, the Baptists, and now thousands of denominations. And today they're I don't know. I mean, some say 30,000. I think it's much higher. I think it's more like 60,000 that call themselves Christian. Right. But the point is that only one and, and true scholars agree and history confirms was the church of the earliest Christians, which was the Catholic church, the one holy Catholic apostolic church that was uh, with this unbroken line of succession of bishops going all the way and popes going back all the way to St. Peter. And Jesus started his church in 33 AD when he died on the cross. And it was the same church for thousands of years. And I think one of the miracles about the church, if you think about it, is that the church uh, in its, you know, even though it's run by humans and sometimes by not the most bright humans and, and sometimes uh, not so holy humans. And even our, even there have been bad popes uh, throughout church history. It has never been destroyed and the teachings have never changed, which shows us what? That the gates of hell will not prevail against it that there is the, the, the gates of the netherworld will not ruin the church. And that is an amazing miracle. We have to realize it's only by the Holy Spirit that that happened and the church will never change. Now, I remember uh, a couple of years ago, uh, back when I was at Sacred Heart, there was a man who came into the church and he had left his church uh, because in his church, I forget which denomination it was. So we'll just say it was Methodist. I think it might've been. And uh, you know, he, he was like, this guy was really into his church. He did a lot of things and, volunteered and, you know, just, you know, loved, loved the Bible and loved his pastor. But then one day they decided, well, let's just, you know, I mean, things are changing and, you know, the, the civil laws allowed gay marriage and, you know, maybe we should just change our teaching on this. And so what they did is they went down in the basement, they all discussed it and they just changed the churches, their churches teaching on marriage and they allowed same sex marriage starting the following Sunday. The guy preached about it. So this particular guy, he just said, I'm done. Like, this is just not the church that Jesus started. So he comes to the Catholic church after doing a little bit of investigation. And the question he asked me, he's like, Father, 
are you going to change <laughs> your stance on this? I said, no. And the church will never change its stance on it because the Holy Spirit will never allow us to. Even if we wanted to, it can't change. And so he said, all right, fine. He became a Catholic. Someone say hallelujah. Right. So I think we have to realize is that we have that, um, you know, this 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 uh, church that's established by Christ. And the key word is this, you know, uh, my church built upon Peter and his successors. And it's the same church. Last C is there's a code to heaven given to Peter and his successors. Okay. Now I, I use the word code because I needed a C and I, I couldn't find anything that really worked with keys. But anyway, but I think it works because you know today in many houses, you know, people don't use keys anymore. They use codes. That's like you punch in a number and you get into your house. So and let's just. And, it, and rectories. It, yeah. Right. <laughs> And that you just you just punch in a number and you get in there. It's good for pe priests, especially that lose their keys all the time. They can actually get into a place. And I love codes because you don't need your keys. Anyway, uh, so notice that he's given this code and it was given to one person. It was given to Peter, to Simon. And he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, uh, so... Basically, what we're seeing here is that now to be true, to be to be fair, I mean, there is an implicit thing like priests, all priests have the power to bind and loose in confession. We can loose and we can give absolution and free them or refuse to give absolution if they're not sorry for for their sins. But we are given this. Kind of, but it comes from the bishops like and that power comes from the pope. So there's this sort of these keys really come from the pope to us. And binding and loosing, it, it goes to Isaiah 22, which was the first reading. And uh, even, even Protestants agree with this. They know that the keys in Isaiah 22 are very important because basically what it means is that this, this word saying, you are given the keys, if you look at Isaiah and link it to Matthew 16, it, this word describes someone who's the master of the house, the chamberlain, the steward, the curator, the guardian, the manager, the superintendent, the one who regulates the administration, who has this legislative authority in the church, chief teacher of the church, whatever you want to call it. But basically, the voice of the guy with the keys is the voice of Christ. Okay, so he has a specific authority, which he has the keys to the king. You know, right? That's not uh, a small thing. And he's entrusting a specific authority to Peter because he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. All right. So he has the power of the keys to govern the whole entire church. Okay. So thanks be to God. We have, uh, you know, the, the Pope and we have uh, papal succession and, um, there have been bad popes, there will continue to be bad popes, and there will be holy popes, but it doesn't matter. The bottom line is, our Lord says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the, the Holy Spirit will keep our church from being in error in issues of faith and morals because it's protected by the Holy Spirit. So a lot to pray about, right? The very Catholic gospel. So pray for the pope. You know, I'm glad I'm not the pope. You know, it's a big job, a lot of responsibility and a great judgment after you die, you know, but where much is given, much will be expected. So pray for the Holy Father, pray for bishop, pray for priest. But remember, if there's no pope, then everyone's pope. When there is no head and no body, everything goes. It's opinion, not truth. 
what truth is given to Peter and his successors and the church's teachings. And the Holy Spirit keeps it from being destroyed by Satan and those who want to destroy his church. God bless.